0: Welcome to episode five of Escape the Strong Woman Trap. I'm your host, Sasha Mobley, life coach and author, and I am just back from vacation. You didn't hear from me all this time because I try to walk my talk and really rest when I go on vacation. So for me, that means no checking work email or sneaking in client work or solving problems that don't have to do with finding the closest metro stop or the best crepe stand. Interestingly, I found the less I tried to plan out at the vacation and fit in all the highly important cultural activities that I knew were just going to make our days, um, the more spontaneous and fun our days actually ended up being. What's ironic about this is that for some reason, I felt really responsible for making the days meaningful and managing my experience and Carrie's experience, um, so much so that the first few days of our vacation, we were both exhausted. Her from being dragged around, and me from doing all the dragging. So instead, I tried an experiment. I stopped looking at the clock and just let the day start whenever it started. I'd take a walk in the morning, grab coffee, uh, look around, And when Carrie was ready, we'd we'd both head out. And amazingly, we still managed to do almost everything we wanted to do anyway. My father was an early rising, map-reading, planning dynamo. And I grew up thinking vacation time was about getting out the door at 6 a.m., driving 700 miles, and arriving at my aunt's house in Fort Worth in under three days. I had no idea it could be done differently. But enough about my vacation. Let's get on with it. Yesterday, I had the privilege of meeting a person who I both admire and respect, and who also read my book. Cheryl Sandberg. Yes. That's Cheryl Sandberg. I sent her a copy of my book, and just a few hours before I was about to get on the plane for vacation, she sent me a really nice note saying she read and enjoyed the Strong Woman Trap, and invited me by to say hello. She's an enormously busy person, um, but we still were able to talk for a few minutes, and the point we connected on was the losses we both experienced and wrote about in our books. For me, it was the death of my brother, and for Cheryl, it was the death of her husband. And what you have to do when you're expected to put on a brave face and just power through things, not just the world expecting it, but... The expectation you put yourself uh, into to be normal, which is what I tried and failed to do when Steve died. But what Cheryl very openly shared in her writing is that she was wrecked by the experience and that she couldn't go it alone, despite her desire to throw herself back into the stream of life and move forward. She discovered, like I discovered, that it doesn't work like that not if we want to be fully human. Grief will have its way with us, and the collective delusion that we have to get back into the stream of life quickly doesn't allow space for that. Doesn't that seem like a strange badge of honor, to work through grief, or any pain really? To pretend that the significant things in life don't make us miss more than a beat, um. Life starts to look like a test to see how many projectiles it takes to penetrate a Kevlar vest. I can take it. I can bear it. I'm handling it. Why, in the face of our greatest trials, are we so mean to ourselves? What is so important in the world around us that it cannot stand aside to give space for these big emotions? I think this is just a sign that the relationship is upside down. We're standing aside and compartmentalizing our pain. So the expectations the world has of us can just continue on. Here's a quote by Audre Lorde. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Let me repeat that. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Self-care as political warfare. See, this is why most institutions have such stingy, shabby policies for when people get sick or suffer from tragedy, mental illness, depression, policies that when you look at them with a rational eye, you can see how insultingly cheap they are, but somehow they still normalize denying self-care in favor of being productive, carrying on, working through it. Here are a few things I want you to experiment with so you can build a muscle for self-care. One, stop before you're tired. In the gym, you're encouraged to push your muscles to failure. This is a very specific scenario, tearing down muscles so it can be built up again. But in order for muscle to reform into something stronger, a lot of rest and good nutrition needs to be coupled with that exercise. Working to exhaustion in other areas of your life will not reform into stronger muscles or stronger anything, literal or metaphorical. Every time you overtax yourself, you need to spend more time resting to get back to equilibrium. Make a habit, especially in stressful situations, of stopping and resting before you need to. Two. Ritualize the transition between regular life and work life. One of the complaints about the digital age is that it's enabled us to work all the time. And while having email or work apps on your mobile device might mean you don't have to be in the office, it also perpetually blurs the distinction between real life and work. And if this is a habit you have, make a conscious mental transition at the end of the day. To cut all ties with work. You can do this in a number of ways. I do it myself by exiting all applications. Um, The ones that I use for work uh, ending with shutting down email last. That signals to me that my day is over and I'm on me time again. I rarely look at email after work um, and I am much happier for it. You can make the ritual whatever you like as long as you do it consistently enough to set a neural pathway that signals the end of the workday. Three, make room for unstructured, non-productive time. Not browsing the net or playing video games either. Um, There's too much uh, stimulation and blue light with those activities to be regenerative. This is time, ideally, where your mind should be allowed to wander You could meditate, take a walk, doodle, stare at the sky, read a book, anything, as long as it isn't a chore or something you should do to improve yourself. Knowing you could take time for yourself for no good reason other than um, you can sends a really huge message to your psyche that maybe, just maybe, you don't belong to anyone but yourself and how we relate to work is a choice. There is no part of you so insignificant that you can afford to throw it away for the sake of putting on a brave face and just powering through. Cheryl Sandberg's new book, Option B, hits the shelves in a couple of weeks. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. I recommend you do. If you want a signed copy of my book, The Strong Woman Trap, you can get it right now from my website, strongwomantrap.com. Thank you for joining me, and I'll be back with a new episode on April 19th. To learn more about me or get information on my book, The Strong Woman Trap, go to sashamobley.com. That is S-A-S-H-A-M-O-B-L-E-Y com or strongwomantrap.com technical direction was provided by amazing andrea amazing andrea nurtures exceptional entrepreneurs by using technology to work smarter connect with her at amazingandrea.com music for escape the strong woman trap is provided by zoe lila through a creative commons license copyright 2017 all rights reserved what? Safe, 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 <laughs>